Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Hey everyone, welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and all-around hiring guru. In fact, my guest today is the one that gave me that nickname. So I want to introduce you to our first guest today. I am so excited to have him on our very first VIP podcast. Um, He is the CEO and founder of Delta Point and four-time best-selling author, Mr. Jerry Acuff. Now, Jerry is a graduate of VMI and was awarded the 2016 CEO of the Year in Arizona, named Best Pharmaceutical Marketing CEO in North America in 2017, and formerly held the VP of Sales position for a $650 million company with over 500 sales representatives. Um, Jerry is an expert relationship builder, which is why we wanted him to be our first guest on the show. His book, Stop Acting Like a Seller and Start Thinking Like a Buyer, breaks the standard for your typical salesman. And he focuses on building the relationship first, believing the money will follow. The proof of this belief, of his belief's effectiveness, lies in the success of his books and in his recognition as one of the top five salesmen in the world. Jerry, welcome to the show. Hey, Casey, it's great to see you. I know, it's been too long. I know. It's kind of full circle if you think about it, Jerry, because if you, if you remember, the very first podcast that I went on was yours. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Or payback time. Oh boy. <laughs> well, hopefully you won't feel like I'm torturing you too much. So, but thank you so much for agreeing to be my first guest. This means the world to me. Well, I'm excited to be here. So, um, so anyway, wow. I and I didn't list all of your accomplishments, but um, I wanted to start with your book. Stop acting like a seller and start thinking like a buyer, because I think that really just that's who you are at the core, right? Um, in, in your book, you mention a sales process or a simple formula, um, that being the right mindset, a proven sales process, and a commitment to building valuable business relationships. Um, and so just real quickly, what are three um, qualities of a healthy business relationship? Well, my bias is that, you know, if you have a a valuable business relationship with somebody, three things are true. One is you have access when you need it. Mm-hmm. So I know if you call me, I'm going to call you back and I'm not going to hesitate to call you back. I don't know what you are calling for, nor do I care. Um, the, the second thing is I have the ability to influence that person. And what that means is that person will listen to me differently. I mean, if I've learned anything in my you know career, it's, um, you know, if you call me and talk to me about a timeshare in Montana, I'm going to listen. Somebody else calls me about a timeshare in Montana, I'm probably going to get off the phone in 30 seconds. What's the difference? The difference is the relationship carries the interest. So it's access when you need it. It's the ability to influence. Then the third thing is that you're doing something to help this person succeed. I mean, the fact that you would have me on this podcast 
tells me that you value a relationship with me because obviously, you know, me being able to interact with your uh, listeners is proactively helping me succeed. So it's access, influence, and results. The acronym is AIR, A-I-R. What's really interesting, when we do workshops on, you know, relationship building, and we do a lot of them. I did one last week in L.A., and two weeks ago I did one in Charleston, one in in New Orleans. You know, I ask people, say, what percentage of the customers do you have that you have a great relationship with? And, you know, you get 50%, 60%, 70%. And then you say, well, what if I described a valuable business relationship as access, influence, and results? And then I explain that. What would those numbers be? And it's fascinating because what happens is those numbers go from 70 to 15. They go from 50 to 10. Mm. And so very often we have a good relationship with somebody, but they don't really value a relationship with us. And to me, my goal is to get someone to value a relationship with me because it's me. Because I know that if I can get them to want to hear what I have to say, I have a better shot at actually them having an open mind. I think that is great advice um, on building those valuable business relationships. You know, another thing that you talk about in your book is not just building those relationships, but maintaining those relationships as well. And sometimes you have to repair those relationships. Can you um, tell me about a time where you've had to repair a relationship and maybe the first step that you took to do that? Well, you know, I think the first step is always the same is to apologize. Mm. You know, I mean, I give you, I mean, this is actually not a great example, but I remember years ago when I was in the pharmaceutical business and I was, we were calling on an oncologist and as we walked, my, the sales rep and I walked through the door, this, this, she was, um, um, I don't know what she was doing, but the minute we walked through the door, she started cursing me and telling me, you know, how hideous pharmaceutical companies were, et cetera. And when we got to the, her desk, I said, golly, doctor, I owe you an apology. She said, for what? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, but surely something I did since I walked through that threshold bothered you and whatever it is, I feel terrible about. And she said, well, actually, I just, my favorite patient died and I just took it out on you. And I said, well, I think it's our time to leave because you got other things to worry about. But I think the key is you got to apologize. You, you know, whenever you, you know, whenever I make my wife mad, I mean, I apologize. Um, and I and I always use the words, I feel bad. I feel terrible. Because it's not just enough to say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I want people to know that I don't, I feel bad about it. And so that's how you repair a relationship. Maintaining a relationship is a completely different subject. You know, it's really about, how do you stay in persistent, consistent, relevant contact like you and I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, as I told you before, I developed an app for that called Really Linked. that makes it easy for you to stay in touch with the top 150 people in your network. But if you don't stay in touch with people, you lose influence. Now, the experts say that you lose up to 4% a month of, of your influence every month that you don't stay in touch with people. I don't think it's that high. But it's not zero. Right. And so, you know, if people call me and I haven't heard from them in 10 years and they ask me for help with a job, honestly, 
the, what this thing I say to myself is I don't even know you anymore. I mean, I don't know whether you've been to jail. I, I don't know whether you've uh, committed a crime. I don't know anything about you. However, if you stayed in touch with me, I know a lot about you. And, um, and I'm far more willing to go the extra mile for the people that, you know, value staying in contact with me. Well, I know that you have always been right there when I needed you. And I know that, you know, you've mentored me over the last year or so and always have been approachable and just been right there for me. Um, One of the things that you say, I think every time that we talk, and I think I love that you really believe in your philosophies, our words matter. Right. So tell me a little bit about that, why you use that phrase and how you talk about it in your book. Well, what I've learned is that our words create feelings in human beings. Mm-hmm. And so I want to, I'm always trying to make sure that, A, I'm creating the right feeling in the people that I'm talking to. And secondly, I'm trying to create a safe environment for them. Now, let me give you a simple example. One of the things that almost every business that sells anything likes is referrals. Mm-hmm. And so people say, you know, I really, you know, I make a living on referrals. Can you think of somebody that you would refer me to? Well, I mean, that actually puts a person in a pretty bad situation. Number one, this may only be the second or third time they've ever met you. (laughs) They may not feel that comfortable introducing you. But if you say, um, you know, I really have enjoyed our, our interaction. And I was just wondering, can you think of anybody that might benefit from learning about what we just talked about. If they say, yeah, I actually can. And then I say, well, then how comfortable would you be introducing me? I don't say, would you introduce me? Because you see that puts them on the spot. Right. If you say, how comfortable would you be introducing me? You only get two answers to that question. You get, well, Casey's a little weird. And, and what they mean by that is that they have misrepresented the quality of the, and the nature of the relationship. Or what they'll say is, I'd be happy to. In which case I say, how do we make that happen? And I have used, and, and when I teach this, and this is the thing that I call pyramid hopping. How do you jump off of one pyramid onto, you know, another? And so, for example, I got a, I got a text message this week from somebody that I know that asked me if I knew anybody that would be a good district manager in Southern California. And I said, I absolutely do. And I gave him that person's name. And so that's pyramid hopping. So asking people, you know, who do you know? Now, another question I teach people is you should ask almost everybody, you know, who do you know that you think I need to benefit, that I would benefit from knowing? I mean, I'm a big believer that you have to proactively build your network, but the words that you use and the words that you choose, you know, they really, really matter. If I say to somebody, um, how often do you go to the bank? Now, there's only two answers you get to that question. I don't know, because they don't know. Right. They will about, I don't know, I, I guess. But if I say, look, if you had to guess, about how many times do you think you go to the bank in a month? You're going to get an answer to that question. Because it, it gives the person the the sort of the latitude and the permission to give you an answer and, and I don't really care how often they go to the bank but if they go more than 
10 times that I'm going to suggest, well, maybe you ought to use your credit card more often. Maybe you ought to go to the ATM machine more often. But I'm just a big believer that words matter. And I think that salespeople, especially inadvertently, and I think unintentionally, turn people's minds off by the things that they say. I'll give you an example. I have a degree in English, which I had a hard time getting. Um, and I spent my life calling on physicians. I mean, I got, I got a call today from one of my people saying, would you teach a group of key opinion leaders? Now, these are top physicians in the country how to be a better speaker. Now, I mean, I got a degree in English, and you want me to teach these people how to be a better speaker? Of course, I said yes, mm-hmm. um, because I feel totally comfortable uh, doing that. But I, but I never forget that I'm just a redneck from Memphis. I never forget that I just got a degree in English. And so for me to go to a doctor who I've spent my life calling on doctors and say, you know, you should use this is stupid. Should is a word that should never come from someone like me. Now, if I were a medical professional, it should. But if I'm not, I I can say, look, this makes sense to me. Does it make sense to you? This looks like it might be important to me, but it doesn't matter that it's important to me. The question is, is it important to you? And I think that piece, sorry. You know, really thinking about what you say before you say it, we call that torturing your words is crucial. And I think that is so important. And I have really tried to do that since you um, were so gracious to come to our office and teach our sales team how to do this and how to put those relationships first. Now, you said something just a minute ago that I really wanted our listeners to pay attention to. And that's about asking for that introduction and how you said that. That is so critical. Um, I'm sure your business, as is mine, is built off referrals. Totally built off referrals. I mean, I literally before t- 10 minutes before you called, I got an email from somebody that said, Hey, are you still in this business? Because I got a, I got a, I'm on the board of a company that's got this problem and you can fix it. So can I introduce you to the person who makes a decision? Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely one thing, but I always tell people the truth is if you want to be wildly successful in life, I, Marianne and I were having this discussion this morning, my wife, who I started this business with 18 years ago. And if it weren't for her, I would never have been successful because we had a one year old um, and she and I were the whole company. And now we've got 20 employees and offices in Scottsdale and in, in Malvern, Pennsylvania. But um, I was telling her this morning at breakfast after I helped her schlep these weights around, um, I said, you know, there's two things you have to do to be really successful in life. One is you need to be really good at your job. Uh, because if you're really good at your job, then you'll probably always be able to find work. I said, the second thing is you better have a network of people where your competency and capability matters. I said, think of it this way. If I'm incredibly competent, if I'm great at what I do, but I don't have a network, what have I got? I got nothing. If I got a great network and I suck at what I do, what do I have? I got nothing. So you got to be, you got to be great at both of them. So I'm big on not only um, building relationships, and I, tr- and I treat everybody like they're important because they are. Everybody. The second thing is I try and build relationships with everybody. And, and, I, and you know, I mean, I, I did a call last night, you know, from, I guess, from 7 o'clock to, to 8.30, a podcast. 
for this thing called Brad Lee's got this thing called Closure School, which is a terrific sales course. And Brad's a friend of mine, and he asked me to jump on, and I jumped on, and I give people my my telephone number, and um, he said I I could never get people my telephone number, and I said well I give people my phone number. Of course, the truth is nobody calls. Um, but literally five minutes after I hung up the phone, some kid named Elvis, I think it was Huerta, called, uh, sent me a text and said, hey, can I talk to you? I said, sure. So, you know, I was sitting at home. I was by myself. Marianne was still jazzercised. And he asked me, he said, look, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really trying to be more successful in real estate. And I just, I don't think I'm doing the things I need to do. But I said, I learned so much from you. Can you give me any advice? And I did. And, you know, we talked for probably 25 or 30 minutes. And so, you know, is that relationship going to do me any good? Shoot, I don't know. And I don't care. I do believe this. The laws of the universe say that when you give, you get. And so you just got to keep giving. You give of your time. You give of your money. You give of your effort. You give of your wisdom. And it'll come back to you. Now, you never know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. If you knew where it was coming from, then candidly, you'd be manipulating people. So I just believe that you have to build these relationships with people because um, you never know when, when they can then they can help you or you can help them because I'm a big believer in helping others. I mean, I, I got a call this week from somebody in Dallas. It was last week, actually. Besides me? Uh, uh I got a call from somebody in, in Dallas um, asking me to do a speech. And they only had 15 people, and I know what I charge. And so before I called them, uh, I said to myself, I'm probably not the right option for them because of the size of their company, and they'd have to pay my travel, et cetera. So I called a friend of mine who lives in Dallas who's a terrific speaker. His name is Tim Wackel, W-A-C-K-E-L. He's fabulous. And I called him and I said, hey, are you available on this date? And can you do this for less than I would do it for? And I told him what I charged. He said, absolutely. So when I called the person, you know, he told me what he wanted. And I said, well, I can do all of that. And this is my fee. I said, but I have to tell you, in anticipation of this call, um, I actually know somebody who lives in the Dallas area, so you you wouldn't have to pay any travel. And uh, he's fabulous. And... He, and I know he will do it for less than I would because I called him and asked him. And so I said, so if I were you and you don't want to spend the money on me, then if it were me, I would hire this guy. So the guy sent me an email this morning telling me that he had hired the other person. Nice. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't lose any sleep over that. I mean, A, Tim is a really good friend of mine. He's a phenomenal sales trainer. And he does great stuff on how to... Um, he does cold calling stuff. He does stuff on presentations. He's fabulous with presentations. Um, and so I, I, you know, I did, I did, uh, I think him a favor by recommending him, but I recommended him. Why? Cause he's great. And he's in my network. Uh, you know, the other person, I, I may never hear from him again and I, I don't care. I did the right thing, but but I know I built a relationship. I strengthened my relationship with Tim, and I probably built a relationship with this other guy because he said, "I have to tell you, I, I never expected somebody to te- to do what you just did, and that is to recommend somebody else." 
Exactly. Well, I didn't just recommend him. I called him to make sure he was available because <laughs> I recommended him and he wasn't available. It wouldn't do you any good. Right, so. right. I love that. And I um, recently read a book that you just reminded me of. It's like my favorite one. I talk about it all the time. The Go-Giver. Yes. Have you read that? I have not read that. Oh. That was on my list here, but my list is large. So I, I would move that one to the top. Would you? Yeah. it'll. T- you can read it in like a couple hours. But it well, is, it's... It's it's you. It's your principal. So I'll read it on the next plane ride. Okay. Um, so I want to talk to you. You were mentioning that your friend Tim helped people prep for cold calls and stuff like that. Um, let's talk for a second a little bit about meaningful dialogue and yeah. prepping for the call. You say in your book, prepare for the call, not because it's important to you, but it's important to the person you're calling. One of the, I was doing some market research for one of my clients, and they asked me to interview a physician who was really, really, really prominent. And we were paying $500 for an hour. And he told my administrative assistant he would only do 15 minutes for $500. And so I called I called her back and said, you know, tell him I'll do 500 for 30, but not 15. So he agreed to that. So then I said, well, I got to make this, you know, sort of really impactful. So I, I Googled him. And, of course, you know, he's a really prominent physician. I found a ton of stuff on him. And... Um, so when I opened the call with him, I said, hey, doc, I said, before we get started, I said, I have to tell you, I read something on the Internet that fascinated me about you. He said, what was that? I said, you played college football at Harvard. He said, well, why does that fascinate you? I said, well, because I played football at VMI the same time you played football at Harvard. VMI has football scholarship, which means they paid for my education. Harvard does not have football scholarships, which means you played football for fun and still wound up to make grades to become one of the top orthopedic surgeons in America. And we talked for 20 minutes about football. And at the end of the 30 minutes, I said to him, Doc, you and I only contracted for 30 minutes. He said, keep talking, man, I'm having fun. <laughs> and so what I've, what I've learned is I, I, I researched, then I plan, you know, try and figure out, okay, what is it that I want to accomplish? You know, what is the, how, how would I want this conversation to end? And usually it, it ends with me requesting some kind of action. Now, in this case, he actually asked me if I would bring the CEO of this company that I represented up to meet him. And then the last thing I do is I role play in my mind the possible answers that they're going to give me when I ask them questions so that I can know, you know, what they might say and then be prepared for how I steer the conversation one way or the other. Those are awesome, awesome advice. Um, We're kind of running out of time, so I want to ask you one more question before I get to our VIP questions, okay? Okay. And this one is about, you know, I mean, one of the things that we look for with recruiters um, that's so crucial on our sales team are, are the soft skills. And I, you know, and I don't, it's hard to test that in an interview, you know, what if they actually have the soft skills that you're looking for. But and I know you have groomed and mentored probably hundreds of salespeople, if I'm probably more than that. But what are the three soft skills that you feel like every great salesperson should have? Well, one is relationship building. Two would be asking great questions. And three would be being persuasive. Okay. Okay. And so, I mean, you know, I mean, one of the things I teach people when they interview, I say, what's the first question you should ask after 
the person says to you, what questions do you have? And nobody knows the answer. At least this is the answer I give. Tell me about your selection process. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, why do I want to know that? I said, because you want to know what to ask for at the end of the interview. If they say, okay, we're going to interview, you know, 16 people, and then we'll bring back two or three for a second interview, then at the end, I'm going to say, look, at the beginning, you said that you were going to bring in 16 people. You were going to bring two or three back. When can I come back for the second interview? Now, I hired 20 people in eight years, and if you didn't ask me for the second interview during the first interview, I would never even speak to you again. Now, I mean, I might call you and tell you I'm not going forward with you, but I wouldn't hire you because I'd say to myself, if you're not willing to ask me good questions, if you're not willing to ask me for this opportunity, then, I, then what makes me think you'd ask my customers? I, I think that is so crucial. One of the things that we do as executive recruiters is we do prep our candidates for that interview with our clients. And we're always telling them, probably one of the biggest complaints I get from my clients is, you know, we got to the end of the interview, I asked them if they had any questions, and they said no. Right. And they hate that. Well, let me tell you the, the greatest interview question that you can ask if you're on a job interview and you want the job. Tell me. This is just my thing. At the end of the interview, especially if it's the second interview and if it's going really well, here's what you say. I'm going to make the assumption that everybody you interview is qualified. That tells me that you're going to make this decision based on something other than qualifications. What is it? Oh, I like, I'm going to start using that in my prep. And then people say, well, it's a gut feeling. And then I say, your response should be, how does your gut feel about me right now? <laughs> We've already determined in prior conversations that you could definitely be a recruiter, Jerry. <laughs> um, okay. I want to get to our VIP questions real quick. Um, these are just some fun little questions we like to ask to gain a little bit more insight into you. So are you ready? Do I have to answer honestly? I would prefer that you did. <laughs> right. Well, you know what? You know, that's a reference to my text. I, yeah, I know. You cracked me <laughs> up earlier with that. So I thought I'd make you laugh. You always make me laugh, Jerry. Um, so my first question, if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three right. things or people would you bring with you? This is going to sound stupid and boring, but, uh, you know, first place I'd take my wife. Of course. Because uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be alone, and I love being with her. The second thing is I'd take uh, some food because <laughs> I don't know if I didn't have food. I'd, I'd probably take medical rations, you know, the, like the army has, that would stay for a while, and then I'd have to take water because I don't know whether there's water on Mars or not. That's very practical. <laughs> so I, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not the most creative guy in the world, but that's what I would take. You know, now, you know, if you said. Well, if you limited it to people, I'd say my wife, my son, and my daughter. But since you said three people or things, then I thought, well, hell, once I get there, I ought to try and survive. <laughs> you know, when I when we came up with that question, I didn't even think about that. I was just assuming that that infrastructure was in place. So good answers. I'm going to starve if I get chosen because I didn't <laughs> I didn't say I was going to bring food. Well, I could afford to starve. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, my second question for you. What is one thing you do to start your day that sets you up for success? I read my goals daily when I get up. I had a question. Okay, I'm going to backtrack real quick because I've 
didn't ask you a question that I wanted to talk about, and it's in regards to your goals, because I think you and I are very similar in that, that we both like to write down our goals. And so right. I wanted to talk about your super superstar sales superstar training. Is that what it's called? Superstar, yeah, superstar, superstar sales, sales training. And you give away the first course um, on goal setting. Right. Why do you do that? Com. Well, I, I, because it's just something that we don't teach people. Mm-hmm. You know, you, my son's not learning this in college. Uh, you know, my daughter didn't learn it in college. And so I, I just think that there's three things to me that you really need to do to be wildly successful. Number one, you need to set goals that are consistent with your gifts and talents. And the vast majority of people, A, have no understanding of what their gifts and talents are, and B, that prohibits them from creating what I call stretch goals. If you listen to my goal setting thing, which is free at jerryacuff.com, um, then you will, but you gotta watch it five times because if you don't watch it five times, it'll never sink, sink in. The second thing is you gotta build relationships with people because if you don't have a network, and then the last thing you gotta be is you gotta be persuasive. And I don't care what your job is, whether you're a recruiter, whether you're a consultant, whether you're a salesperson, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a physician, you gotta be persuasive. Well, By I the way, I am the only, uh, you know, I'm rated one of the top 10 sales experts in the world. I'm the only one that has his cell phone number on his website. I, I believe that. And it shocked me when I first met you and you're like, my cell phone's on my website. And I'm like, are you insane? <laughs> so, but of course I put my cell phone on everything too. Um, mm-hmm. And I did want to let you know, um, we use your goal setting for training purposes. Oh, so great. every new recruiter has to go through your goal setting course at well, least all- three times. I don't make them do it five, but I encourage them to. Well, good. So I appreciate you for that. Um, so my one final question for you today, if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would your headline be? Um, if, he can, if he can succeed, anybody can. Aw. Jerry, you're pretty amazing, though. You're, you're kind of one of a kind. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I come from, uh, I don't come from, you know, had life with a silver spoon. And, you know, I, I did poorly in college. Uh, at 51, I got fired from my job, and I only had enough money to last me for four months, and I couldn't find a job. And I started this company 18 years ago, and we're now one of the top strategic consulting companies in the world. So, you know, um, I've, I got fired from my first two sales jobs because I couldn't sell. And then I learned how to sell and became one of the top sales experts in the world. So all I say is that if anybody, you know, um, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You, but you got to want to do it. You know, this is what I told Brad lately last night. I said, you know, I don't care who you are. You have to want to succeed badly and you got to work your tail off. And if you'll do those two things and find a mentor, find somebody to help you be successful and you'll be an incessant learner, there's nothing you can't accomplish. Nothing. I- I think that's amazing. And I also love that you approach it with such a humble heart and that you are always so willing to just give, give, give. I think these are some really good lessons for both our candidates and our clients um, in how they approach everyday life. So unfortunately, we are out of time. I know when you and I get together, we can just talk forever, but (laughs) I'm going to have to wrap this one up. So I want to end this conversation by saying one thing to you, Jerry. Yes. You are a VIP. 
Oh, thank you. Golly, <laughs> that made me feel good. Thank you, Jerry. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.